Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Awesome, fantastic. It is so great to be in Christian Melissa's church. I'm so blessed to be here. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. I've known Christian for a very, very long time, Christian Melissa, 16 years. I added up. So I remember, I actually, um, you came and sat at my place, and I sat at your place a number of times before I moved to Sydney, so it is just such an incredible pleasure uh, to be here. You've got some incredible pastors. Uh, you know, when God wants to do something great, he gives them great leaders. <laughs> you guys are very, very blessed to have these two powerhouses here leading you in Noosa. Hey, um, one of the best places on the planet, right? Um, actually, Christian, remember I used to run those uh, State of Origin nights at my place? Um, they, they got pretty nasty. <laughs> actually, for the first three years I moved to Sydney, New South Wales won three in a row. <laughs> that was probably the last time they won, wasn't it? Was it? And um, I can't remember. I don't think my, ch- my children have actually ever seen New South Wales actually win a state of origin. So anyway, anyway, it's good to be in Queensland. Hey guys, what I want to do first of all is I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself, then I'll get to uh, this morning's message. Is, is that cool? Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background, um, I did actually uh, originally grow up in, in Queensland. I moved to Sydney about uh, 15 years ago. But when I was in Queensland, I was the fastest in Queensland for the 100, 200, and uh, 400 meter sprint events. Uh, qualified for the World Juniors, and pretty much had my sights set up on the up and coming Commonwealth Games and Olympic teams. But uh, towards the end of high school, I, I got hit uh, with an incurable disease uh, called ulcerative colitis, which is uh, very similar to Crohn's disease. Uh, the doctors put me on a disability pension and told me I'd never be able to uh, run again, uh, let alone work. So I lived like that, basically shut up at home for like five years. Uh, I weighed a measly 55 kilos. I was taking 16 tablets a day, and I was suffering with pain uh, 24-7. And then at 22, I got a revelation of uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, where it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, our plans to give you a future and hope. I got so, I guess, inspired uh, by that verse and it so resonated in my heart that I took the $2 that I had that was left over from the disability pension that week, uh, built a youth centre in Redcliffe, uh, raised money through government grants and, and, and business sponsorship, uh, one young Australian of the year in um, 1998 and then schools our companies, our football teams, I started asking me to come in and share my story. I'm at a point in my life where I gotta tell you honestly, um, I feel like I'm living my dream. Uh, in terms of high schools alone, I, I now get to speak, have the awesome privilege of speaking around about 300 high schools a year. I'm averaging about 150 flights. I speak about 100,000 teenagers. A lot of the big boys schools, uh, big GPS schools in Sydney, get me in especially to work with their first 15 uh, rugby teams coach on mental toughness and discipline. I had a school in Melbourne, uh, recently flying down for one hour, uh, to work with eight of their rowers before a major regatta they had coming up. Health athletic squads, uh, swimming squads, uh, prefect committees, uh, leadership groups, uh, gridiron teams in America, uh, rugby academies in New Zealand, uh, equestrian teams in Victoria, uh, the National Rugby League, 
of the NRL have hired me in for the last five years, come around a program with all 16 of their teams uh, based upon one of my books uh, called Men of Honor. I uh, change, change culture within the next uh, five years. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, seriously, this book is actually, um, uh, um, the reason why I actually wrote a book called Men of Honor is um, is because I have three daughters. <laughs> I'll let you go work that out later. But um, <laughs> no, um, the deal is this book is actually a guide for fathers and sons to talk about some of the issues that fathers and sons sometimes find difficult to talk about. Ideas of for the son to read the chapter and the um, boy, uh, um, boy to read the chapter and come back and actually uh, discuss it. Um, at this point in my life, I've got to tell you honestly, I feel like I'm living my dream. If you go back to when I was 22, <laughs> when I was 22, um, I actually weighed 55 kilos. Um, I was taking 16 tablets a day, and I was suffering with pain 24-7, uh, but God is good, right? <laughs> I'm so thankful that the doctors don't have the final word, that God actually has the final word, right? Um, so what I want to do here this morning is I've got a kind of message for you um, that is, I guess, like rocket fuel uh, for your soul. <laughs> it's like going to be some Red Bull <laughs> on the inside of you, and because um, I know it doesn't feel like it in Queensland, but we are actually in the middle of winter. <laughs> um, so um, I've got this for you that I think will be of great benefit. Um, the message in, is entitled, uh, The Dream is Free, The Hustle is Sold Separately. <laughs> uh, the Dream is Free, The Hustle is Sold Separately. So before we get to the word, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that the entrance of your word bringeth forth light. I pray, Lord God, that this word will bring light, liberty, freedom, and hope to every single person gathered here in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to be reading from Luke. I'm going to read a, a fairly lengthy verse, and I'm going to come back and unpack it for you. Is, is, is that cool? Uh, Luke 16, verse 1. I'm reading from the Message Bible which I kind of like to say is like the cool version of the Bible. Um, but Luke 16 verse 1 says this, Jesus said to his disciples, There was once a rich man who had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taken advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. So he called him in and he said, What's this I hear about you? You're fired, and I want a complete audit of all your books. The manager said to him, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as a manager. I'm not strong enough for a laboring job. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I've got a plan. Here's what I'll do. Then when I'm turned out into the street, people will take me into their houses. Then he went at it. Oh, I love that. He went at it, one after another. Didn't pause at a problem, but he went at it. One after another, he called in the people who were in debt to his master. He said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He replied, a hundred jugs of oil. The manager said, here, take your bill, sit down quick, now write 50. To the next he said, and you, what do you owe? And he said, a hundred sacks of wheat. He said, quick, take your bill, write 80. Now, here's the surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. Why? 
because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They're on constant alert, listen to this, constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. I want you to be smart in the same way before what is right. Using, I love this, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival. If you take nothing out of this message, but you take that, that alone is enough. <laughs> using every adversity to stimulate you to create survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you'll live, really live, not complacently just getting by on good behavior. Jesus is using a crook to make a point. This was certainly a surprise to the people of his day. And it's also a surprise to us. You know what I found? Is that Jesus always likes to disrupt our thinking. This is basically, see, what he's basically saying is don't, don't ask the question, why am I struggling? Ask, what is God trying to develop in me for my next chapter? He's also saying, when you come to faith, don't kiss your brain goodbye. Don't check it in the door when you come into the house of God. Be on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by your wits. In, in the New Living Translation, I just want to read one verse before I, I, I come at this. Um, it says this, it said, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. What does it mean to be shrewd? It means to be sharp-witted, acute, alert, perceptive, observant, and calculating. You know, as a parent, if you have children, you know the two of the greatest things that you can actually teach your kids and for them to be successful in the future? In fact, all schools need to be teaching their kids. If your kids leave with nothing else but this, they'll be a success in the future. Ready? Number two is it. Number one is this. And one is teach them how to solve problems and, and teach them how, 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 how to actually, um, be, how to lead. Teach them how to solve problems. Teach them how to lead. Your child will be a success. This manager did not allow his lack of resources to stop him. What am I going to do? I've lost my job. I'm being hassled at school. I didn't make the team. I can't seem to connect with God. My income has been slashed. I've lost all my money on, on, in, 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 my, in my super. I'm too proud for a laboring job. He didn't allow his lack of resources to stop him. Listen, empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can actually do that. There's this great um, thought. And listen, don't think that just because you, you lack something, you can't actually develop it. I don't care if you lack resources, lack education, lack time or strength or wisdom. In fact, in James 1, it says this. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. I'm constantly putting myself in positions where I'm outside of my comfort zone. And I'm always, every morning when I wake up, I always ask that I would have the mind of Christ. 
I'm always asking for wisdom and how to deal with the situation I'm going through. You can't be pushing unless you get wisdom. In fact, Jeff Bezos, who's the head of Amazon.com, he says this. He says, lack drives innovation. Just like other constraints do. He says, one of the only ways to get out of a tight box is to invent your way out. So stop complaining you don't have resources. Your lack of resources, I'm telling you, will never get in the way of you accomplishing your dream. But your lack of resolve always will. (laughs) The dream is free. The hustle is sold separately. Or Or if I was to give it to you, in Christian terms, salvation is free. Blessings are conditional. So I'm going to give you, I'd like to give you six keys from this text um, that um, will help you, um, refire you for the rest of this year, help build your faith. But can I say this? Um, I'm, I'm going to give you some homework. I want all of you to go and read Luke um, this chapter, Luke 16, uh, 1 to 13, and I want you to come up with at least another three for yourself. Because I find the Word of God speaks to me personally. And so I want you to go and do that. Is, is, is that okay? Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you six, but you know what? There are probably about a hundred in this text, but I'm just, I've only got time for six. So here we go. Number one is this. Be proactive, not reactive. Be proactive, not reactive. You know what this is about? This is about you taking responsibility for your life. You cannot keep blaming everything on your parents, your grandparents, your genetics, or your circumstances. At some point in your life, you actually have to take full responsibility for your actions. I live by this motto, and it goes like this. Ready? I teach this to my kids. Ready? If it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's going to be, it's up to, uh, it's up to me. In fact, Paul put it like this. He said, I can do, I love this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. St. Augustine's put it beautifully when he said this. He said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. He said, listen, if you're not doing well at school, if your business is faltering, if your marriage is breaking down, breaking down, or if your kids are driving you crazy. Seriously? Who in the world told you that you were to accept failure? If you're not doing well, do not throw your arms up in the inside quit. Now here's what you do. You organize a tutor. You create your own study group. You, you talk to a counselor. You get a business coach. You do something that will t- turn a weakness into a strength. Listen, Hel- Helen Keller... Um, from those of you who don't know, from a really young age, was blind and deaf. Because she was do- bl- blind and deaf, she never learned to speak. So blind, deaf, and now dumb. When her parents used to throw these parties, she would stand in a room and she would sense conversation happening. And she didn't really know what was happening, so she would grab people by their throats and feel their, uh, the vibrations on their throat. She touched their lips and feel, touch, feel their lips move. And she sensed that she was missing out on something. So she began to kick and scream on the floor. Her nanny saw this and thought, I need to teach this girl how to communicate. But how do you teach someone how to communicate who's blind, deaf, and dumb? Her nanny took one of the only senses she had left, ready, touch? And with her finger on the palm of her hand, would write out the letters of the alphabet. A, B, C. 
She put her hand under a tap for water and go W-A-T-E-R. Touch a flower, F-L-O. It was long, it was laborious, it was tough, it was tedious. But Helen Keller went on to be one of her greatest writers, greatest authors of her day. Why? Because she, she wanted to turn a weakness into a strength. See, reactive, see, I'm going to tell you something. There is always a way through. Pharaoh's, the Red Sea may be in front of you. Pharaoh's armies may be behind you, the mountains to the east, but there is always a way through. No matter what you're going through, there is always a way through. Reactive people affected by their environment. See, proactive people use language like this. I can, I will, I must. Reactive people use language like this. I can't. Do I have to? Or if only... (laughs) He didn't act like a victim. He didn't say it's not fair, he made me or he put me. He was proactive. Listen, listen. I hope this is okay to do this. I'm going to say something. It's going to sound a little bit controversial. So please don't write me an email because I won't listen to it or read it. But, um, but, but I, I hope this is okay because I need, I, 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 you know why? I, we, need to, we need to build, help build robust spirits in our young people. That, that's why I do, I do this. Ready? There, there is a word that is banned from my house. My kids are not allowed to, I, I don't like the word. My kids are not allowed to come home and use this word. And that, that, that word is the word, uh, I've been bullied. <laughs> They're not allowed to come home and say, I've, be, I, I'm, I've been bullied. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. Stuff happens. Yep. I'm not saying that incidents don't occur. But they don't, because as soon as you use that word, it puts them in a the victim mentality. <laughs> they actually can't. Now if stuff happens at school, they're allowed to obviously come and tell me. But we work out a strategy as to how to deal with the issue. We don't put them in a victim mentality where they can't actually back out. We find a way, a strategy, we look for an angle. We, we use every adversity to stimulate us to creative survival. Because I find all the way through the Bible, you know, God never gives sympathy. He gives strategy. Gideon is in a wine press, Right? He's, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't thresh wheat in a white press, right? He's threshing because he's so scared. The angel of the Lord appears to him, says, arise, mighty man of valor. You know what he says? He's full of excuses. Oh, me? I'm, a, I'm not a mighty man. Look, I'm in a wine press threshing out wheat. This is no mighty man here. And, and then he comes up with excuse after excuse. I'm the, not only am I the least in my family, but we're the least of all the tribes. And you can almost see, while he's coming up with all these excuses, you can almost see the angel of the Lord doing this. Ready? You finished? Once he lets him have his go, then he goes, Arise, mighty man of valor! And gives him a strategy. Elijah is in the cave. He's just come off one of his most amazing victories, right? He's in the cave whining. The angel of God comes to him and says, what are you doing in the cave? You're so far away from where God wants you to be. And Elijah just starts complaining, starts whining. But they've killed all your prophets, and I alone am left. There's no one left, just me. The angel of the Lord again. You okay? (laughs) Okay, let's get out of this cave for a start, and let's get on a mountain. Because while you're in a cave, you can't see. But if you can get up on the mountaintop, you'll get a clear vision of where I actually want to take you. Strategy, not sympathy. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8, 
verse 18, it says this, very familiar verse, you know this, right? Remember the Lord your God, it is He who gives you the power to create wealth. Notice it doesn't say He gives you wealth, but He gives you the power to create it. Things may come to those that wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. (laughs) Number two, ready? Number two is this. Um, Another word we we don't often use in the church, but I'm going to redeem it. (laughs) It's this, ready? Uh, Be ambitious. Be ambitious. Ambition is a powerful force. You know why? Because a fire in your belly will not light itself. You have, there's something on the inside of you has to spark. Listen, I can't make you hungry. I'd love to make you hungry, but I actually can't. Something, for me, the word of God calls me to be ambitious about the things that God wants me to have ambition for. See, in Proverbs it says, the complacency of fools will destroy them. And some of us are so complacent that we're allowing it to actually destroy our lives. Sometimes we need a little bit of a spark of ambition. In fact, in Matthew 5, verse 6, it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That tells me if you don't hunger and thirst for something, you're not going to get filled. We, We got no reason in this country to be hungry. Like seriously, you know, we, we, we say, oh, I'm starved. We don't even know the meaning of that word. We have no idea what that word actually means. We, we say we're starved as we walk around in our air-conditioned malls <laughs> with food everywhere. And you know, in this country, you can actually, actually do absolutely nothing with your life in this, and the government will actually pay you money. <laughs> I know I was in a place, northern New South Wales, right? I was talking to a year 12 girl. I said to her, I said, oh, listen, what do you want to do when you finish school? And what she said to me? She said to me, she said, well, you know what? And this, this is an area where there's generations of welfare, right? Like gener- grandmother was on welfare, mum was on welfare. So she'd seen all that. I said, what do you want to do when you finish year 12? And she said to me, I said, well, you know what? I haven't really decided whether I actually want to work or not yet. Because the option is just do what my grandmother did, my mum did, and not actually work at all, ever. Not even think about it. So we, we need a spark on the inside of us, something to spark. Listen, I, I know this, ready? To be successful in anything, you basically need three things, ready? Three, three, three things. Number one is you need um, talent. Both my daughters are very talented swimmers, right? They've got talent. I, I didn't... I can't get, get, they've got talent, right? They've also got opportunity. Their school has just built a $35 million aquatic center with a national coach and an Olympic selector on the, on the coaching team, right? So they've got talent, they've got opportunity. You know what I can't give them? And that, that's a third up, is drive. I would love to be able to give them that, but that's something I, as if I can help coach them, but they have to really want it. If they don't really want it, then it's actually not gonna work. They have to have that something on the inside of them. Philippians 3.10 says this, Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one, everyone say one. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal 
of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Listen, I love Paul, but here's the deal about Paul. Paul cannot count. He's hopeless at mathematics. He says one thing, I don't know about you, but I counted three. <laughs> but then I got it. I worked it out. He's actually, it was, it's actually really one. Because here's the deal. You cannot, you cannot reach unless you first forget. And you cannot press unless you're actually reaching for something. So you got to get the vision. You can't press. This is why most people aren't motivated. Here's the deal. It's not that people are unmotivated. It's not that young people are, are, are tired. You know what the problem is? Is that they're bored out of their brain. Because they have no compelling vision on the inside of them driving them forward. But once you get a vision on the inside of you, you will press. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 in the New Living Translation says this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. Oh, goodness. Doesn't, just that lay, doesn't that just lay it out? Run to win. Eden had her athletics carnival on recently, right? She said to me this, she said, Dad, um, what, what, what do I do? I said, here's what you do, baby. <laughs> you run to win. <laughs> do I care whether she wins or not? I, no. But you, when you race, you run to win. You don't run to come second, you run to win. Because you know what? Honestly, sometimes winning is actually coming fifth. Because last year you got sixth. Place doesn't matter. What matters is an attitude and a heart that you're gonna, if you're going to play, you're going to play. Here's the deal. God, God wants, and do you know that God actually wants you to win? I know this might sound a little bit arrogant, but I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm trying to actually really help you. Listen to me very carefully. I, in, in my life, the, in the 42 years that I've been alive, listen to me, let me just say this. I, I never lose. I either win or I learn. <laughs> but I actually never lose. If you can go into life with that kind of mindset, that you never, you win or you learn, but that's it. You never lose. And this is something I'll teach to my children. You know why? Because the Bible declares it. In Psalm 112, you know what it says? It says this, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. So it says, if I fear God, if I delight in him, what will happen? My descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed, and wealth and riches will be in his house. That's what the Bible declares. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not kidding you. I actually, I've met parents who've actually given up on their kids being great and the kids are only six or seven. No, I'm not kidding you. I know parents, oh, well, my kid didn't make the team, so I don't really think he's all that good at soccer. I didn't really, they've given up at six or seven. Most people don't, it takes years to become great. And yet we give up on these kids so easily. Like just because they didn't make it, I, I, didn't become, I didn't win my first high school race till year nine. It takes years. Who knows what will happen? Who knows where they'll go? Don't ever give up on your kids being great. Um, and in, in fact, my, my wife posted on Instagram a little while ago, this is a quote from my eldest daughter, Grace. She said this, mum, um, Grace is nine, right? She said this, Mum, I've dreamt of making the state champs since I was four. <laughs> Who says that? Glenn Garine's daughter. <laughs> and there's a, a picture of her on pool deck 
the Sydney Olympic Aquatic Center. Listen, there is a difference between surviving and thriving, between the desert and the promised land, between living life and a blessed life, between I'm okay and I'm more than a conqueror, between enough and more than enough between full and overflow, between making it and conquering, between existing and shining, between rhetoric and action, between speaking it and bearing fruit, between having a dream and living out a vision. Be ambitious. You know what God's ambition is? God's ambition is this, ready? That none should perish. That's a pretty big ambition. (laughs) And we limit ourselves because, because... you know, you know, as soon as you say the word God, you actually say less than God. Because our mind can't actually fully comprehend. And everyone's got a different version of God in their head. <laughs> but if God's ambition is that none should perish, shouldn't we be a little bit more like Him? Because I've actually heard pastors, thankfully not in our movement, <laughs> but I've actually heard pastors, well, you know, I'd be happy to build a church of like two, three hundred people. But God's ambition is that none should perish. And I hear people say, and some of you might even be thinking it, and don't, don't be upset for thinking it. I want you to, you got to come into church with your brains intact. Ready? Some of you, you might be thinking, well, should I be content? I mean, doesn't the Bible say I just need to be content? You know what? You know what I find Christianity is? Christianity is like a tightrope. It's a balance. It's, it's like between mercy and justice, between love and war, between contentment and complacency. You know, some people live a stagnant, stationary life, laboring their lackluster approach as contentment. You know, I think the best place for any Christian to be is this, ready? Is, is, is when you're totally grateful for God's blessings today and completely determined to move forward tomorrow. That's the best place to be. Number three is this, ready? Number three is be hardy. Be hardy. This guy was hardy, didn't let anything hold him back. You know the number one lesson I want my girls and and my son um, to to know is this, I want them to be tough. I want my girls to actually be tough. I don't want them to fall apart at the littlest of things. I I caught my four-year-old, the girls will laugh at this, right? I caught my four-year-old Willow saying to Eden the other day as I was walking past their bedroom, that she said this to her, ready? Toughen up, princess. Proud moment, right? <laughs> Proud moment um, as the dad. You, you know, we have a motto in, in, in our family, and I, I told my kids it's been around for like 500 years in the Garain household. It hasn't. It's like, it just, I just made it up recently, right? And the motto is this, ready? Motto is this. You can use it for your family, ready? Is this, we do hard things. When, when faced with challenges and obstacles at school or on the playground, or we do hard things. That's what we do. We do hard things. Stencil it in your kitchen. Imprint it on your, ki- on your children's brain. That when they don't fall apart, are the smallest things. Ready? There's a term called um, anti-fragile. It's by a guy by the name of Nassim Taleb. He says some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stresses. They love adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet despite the ubiquity of this phenomena, there is no word for it. There's no word for the exact opposite of fragile. He says, let's call it anti-fragile. It's beyond resilience and robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. 
You know, Julie Logan at the Case Business School uh, found that entrepreneurs are three times more likely than the general public to have dyslexia. And many entrepreneurs credit their ADHD with giving them an edge in making their business success. Disadvantaged people make good. That's why you should never pause and think that your child can't become great. But there's not, it's not like their mental differences give them a performance edge. It's not like there's a secret code that only dyslexics can read. No, it's probably because they've always had a tendency to be the outsider, which made them less likely to be picked less likely to be at the top of their class, less likely to be chosen by some fancy college, less likely to be recruited by some top firm. And precisely because they didn't fit in, they had little choice but to pick themselves. And once that choice is made, it becomes a habit. If no one's going to choose, I'm just going to pick myself. That leads me to the fourth one, is action orientated action orientated. Listen, if you, don't, if you want to do something great, listen to me very carefully, don't wait for permission. Don't wait to be ordained or pre-approved or picked out of a crowd. Listen, hey, Oprah has left the building. <laughs> She's not going to put you on her show and make you overnight success. But you know what? YouTube wants you to have your own show, but they're not going to call you iTunes want you to write your own song, but they're not going to call you either. Amazon actually want you to write your own book, but they're not going to call you either. Choose yourself. You know one thing I like about the movie The Hunger Games is it shows a young girl who volunteered to be a leader. She wasn't invited. No one picked her. See, and this is the problem. Um, she, had to, she had to step up. Most of the heroes depicted in films, like The Matrix, Lord of the Rings, Spider-Man, Man of Steel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, it were all about being chosen. And these movies are the reason why so many people uh, fail to see themselves as leaders. Leadership comes from within. It's about following your heart. Not when, not when someone points you out, calls you out of a crowd, or turns their seat around and says, I want you on my team. Now choose yourself. Listen, Biz Stone, he's one of the founders of Twitter. He's worth about $250 million um, um, at the moment. He grew up in a single-parent family. His dad left when he was a young boy, grew up just with his mum, so he never really learned to play any sport. But he, when he got to high school, he knew that to gain any kind of social credence at high school, uh, social cred, you had to kind of be good at sport. So he tried out for all the teams, didn't make any of the teams, couldn't throw, couldn't bat, couldn't shoot, couldn't do anything, right? So rather than giving up, you know what he does? He fi finds out that his school doesn't actually have a lacrosse team. So he thinks if no one else has played lacrosse, that kind of ev evens the playing field. <laughs> so he goes to his principal and he says, if I can get enough players and if I can get a team together, can I start a lacrosse team? Principal goes, knock yourself out. Gets the players, get, get, gets the coach. He said, he said, I learned a really valuable lesson that day. Ready? Opportunity is manufactured. You know what society has conditioned us to do? Society has conditioned us to wait and sit and wait for the right opportunity to present itself and then like strike. 
But if opportunity is just nothing but a set of circumstances, why not create the opportunity? Then you'll be the first person in line to take advantage of the opportunity. Hardy, this guy was hardy. Listen, if, 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 if there isn't a door before you to walk through, then build a door. Find an angle, look for an opportunity. Stop relying on God to do everything for you. God moves when you move. The Bible says the steps of the good man, listen to this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Tell me something, what comes first? The steps or the ordering? You're waiting for God to order you, he's waiting for you to take a step. We're so passive. Number five, and I'll finish with this one, ready? Be relationship driven. You know this manager, do you know his provision was tied up in people? The manager was in trouble, and what did he do? He turned to people he was in relationship with. Do you know the answer to your current crisis is actually not financial? It's actually relational? It's actually relational. Listen, there's this story, right, in 2 Kings about Elisha, the prophet. And here's the deal. A widow comes to him and says, I've got no money, don't know what to do. He says, what do you have? He goes, I've got a little jar of oil. He goes, listen, go to all your neighbors, borrow as many jars as you can, bring them into my, ha- bring here, and we'll, we'll do a miracle. You know if that happened today, you know what we'd say? If the man of God came to us and said, listen, go to your neighbors, you know, we'd do this. We'd go, oh, but you know what? I haven't really spoken to my neighbor for a while. <laughs> like, um, th- we've got this big fence, and I, I just, you know, I, I think someone else might have even moved in. <laughs> And I, I haven't really been over to actually welcome them to the neighborhood. And you know the guy at number 56? Well, he's, he's gay, so I told him he was going to go to hell. So I don't, you know, I don't think he's going he's gonna to talk to me. Oh, and the guy at number 42, oh, he committed adultery in his wife. And I said, you know, I can't talk to him. He said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to get many jars. <laughs> Do you know the size of your miracle is actually dependent on the size of your relationships? We're spoken. This is supposed to be the house of God. This is supposed to be a place of mercy and grace. And we, we don't, but we don't act like that. <laughs> you, 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 you want to fulfill God's ambition that none should perish? Talk to your neighbor. <laughs> Talk to the person next to you and who, lives, who lives right there, who's been there for years. Take them a meal. Bring, bring them to the church. But don't bring them to the church without actually doing, getting involved in their world. <laughs> Like, don't read and rush to get, no, first, just love them for a little while. And you know what? If you love them enough, they, they actually, honestly, they, you won't even have to ask them to come to church. They say, where are you going? Because <laughs> I'm coming, I'm going to follow you because your life has been changed and transformed by something. And I want to know what's going on in your world. Be relationship driven. Okay, three things I want to do, um, and then I'm going to close. Ready? Three, I'm going to ask you three questions. If you answer no or maybe to any of these questions, I want you to just slip up your hand. Is, is, is that cool? Here we go. Um, do this. Ready? I, I used to say, are you in a relationship with God? But then you know what I worked out? The word, term relationship means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I've got 5,000 friends on my Facebook page. Another 13,500 on a public profile. I'm not in relationship with all those people. So I'm not going to ask, are you in relationship? I'm going to ask you this. Is God first in your life? If you answered no or maybe, just a second, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Number two, do you feel connected to him? You might have been once connected to him, but you kind of slipped away. And you really want to reconnect. See, I'm sorry, but you think that you chose to come here today. 
No, God orchestrated your circumstance for you to be here so you can reconnect with him here this morning. I mean, how relevant was that verse I just read? You know the people who think the Bible's irrelevant? It's people who don't read it. <laughs> this is incredibly relevant to our lives. Number three is this, are you living for God every day? If you answered no or maybe, can you just slip up your hand in just a second? Can everyone just close your eyes? No one, no one looking around? If you answer, here are the three questions. Is God first? Do you feel connected to him? And are you living for him every day? If you answered no or maybe, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And on the count of four, and on the count of five, on the count of three. And then I'm going to pray for you really quickly. Ready? Here we go. One. Two. Three. Just slip up your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Anybody else? Across this auditorium. Thank you, just up there. Thank you. Anybody else? Because I just want to leave you in a quick prayer in just a second. Just a second. Okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Can, can everyone just look up here at me? There was somebody that raised your hand. I can't possibly come to you, so I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. I want to ask everyone to stand. I want you to find the nearest aisle to you. And when you come down the front, let me just leave you in a quick prayer. Then you can go back to your seats. Is, is that cool? So everyone can just stand. And all those people that raised their hand, can you just come out the front here? Just um, give, give these guys a hand, hey, as they come. Come, 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 come. Everybody that raised their hand, I want you to just come out the front really quickly for me. And um, that would be great. And I want to lead you in, in a quick prayer. Come, 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 come. Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, guys, so proud of you here t- this morning. Hey, guys, what we're going to do in just a second, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want the rest of the church to pray this with me, right? Um, prayer that really opens up your heart to God. Just repeat this after me. Ready? Dear Heavenly Father, open the doorway of my heart. I ask you to come in. Take over my life. I give it to you. I pledge to serve you all the days of my life in your house. Reconnect me this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Let me just come and quickly pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for each and every one in this house, Lord God, who's come to this altar, Lord God, searching, Lord God, for a deeper connection with you. I thank you, Lord God, that right now, Lord God, your presence and your power, Lord God, will just fall upon them, Lord God, reigniting, Lord God, a dream and a vision on the inside of them. Oh, Lord God, a purpose, Lord God. Let them come, Lord God, to a deeper, greater knowledge of you, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, touch them, Lord God, by your Spirit. Let them never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Give these guys a hand. Hey, one more time. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Hey, you can go back to your seats. That's awesome. I'm just going to pray very quickly for um, everyone else in the church. So, guys, can you just lift up your hands? And let me just pray before I hand back to Christian. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for every single person in this house. I pray, Lord God, that this word would continue to resonate in their hearts, Lord God. Lord God, that you would give them even a deeper revelation as they go back this week and begin to meditate on that verse, Lord God. You would speak to them, Lord God, as to what they should do, Lord God, and how, how that, what, they, what their role is, Lord God, and to grow your kingdom in this community. In Jesus' name, touch them by your Spirit and fill them with your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.